This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 252, and I'm talking with Aisha Pratt-Lear. Aisha runs for Jamaica. She is sponsored by Under Armour and runs with Joe Bosshart's group out in Boulder. She's a Commonwealth Games gold medalist, a world finalist, and an Olympian. I've been admiring these ladies in Joe's training group for a while and have been keeping up on what they've been up to, so I'm excited to interview another one of the ladies on the team. It was so fun to interview Aisha's teammate, Laura Thweet, after her fifth place finish at the Olympic trials in the marathon. So I'm excited to get another one of these ladies on the podcast. Stay tuned for hopefully more episodes with more women on that team. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Koala Clip. And if you're not already running with a Koala Clip, get in on this action. The Koala Clip is this awesome pouch that you put your phone in while you run. You clip it to the back of your sports bra. It's water resistant. You can get as sweaty as sweaty can be. You can get rained on. I actually ran in the pouring down rain yesterday morning and my phone was untouched in my Koala Clip. It stays in place. It doesn't bounce around. I'm telling you, it's comfortable. You all can save 10% when you use the code ANOTHER at checkout. So go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. If you all are loving this show, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider taking a moment and leaving a rating interview on iTunes or wherever you listen. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And it truly means so much to me. I read every single review. I check it every day. And I always get excited when I see a new one on there. Thank you to everybody who has already done so. All right. I hope everybody is doing well and enjoying this first bit of almost summertime. I'm so appreciative of each of you for being here. So thank you. Okay. Enjoy my conversation with Aisha Pratt-Lear. Well, today on the podcast, I am excited to be talking with Aisha Pratt-Lear. Welcome to the show, Aisha. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. What is going on in your life right now? What are you doing today? Today, I ran with my husband in the morning and I just have one run today. So I uh, did a a brave thing and put on pants with a button and, you know, I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) I have put on pants with a button two days this week and I don't even know who I am. Wow, that is really spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I I've been in workout clothes and leisure clothes, you know, basically the whole quarantine and I was like, "You know what? You're going to put makeup on today and you're going to put pants on and we're just going to see how that changes your attitude." And it actually did it help you because it kind of helped me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I if I'm ever having a blah day, I do what I call full lady and I put on pants with a button, do my hair and makeup. And then you're like, I can do anything. That's so smart. That's so good. You just feel better. You do. You do. Totally. So um, what was your run today? I just had a six mile run, just one six mile run. That's and it, it feels like a day off. It's fantastic. It 
Yeah. And yeah. where did you run? How fast did you run? What did that feel like? I ran from the Neva parking lot in North Boulder, north toward the Grange. And I don't th- know if that's a real thing or just like a Boulder landmark, but <laughs> I just ran north on the dirt roads, uh, six miles and 42 minutes and maybe 20 seconds or something like that. Okay. Um, you know, I felt pretty good. It's kind of uphill on the way out, downhill on the way back. And I uh, did have to say a couple times, like, we need to slow down because mm. sometimes you just hit the downhill and you start to slow. But we're on the track tomorrow for uh, one of the first workouts back kind of as a team. And <gasps> really? I didn't want to blow it. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. It's so exciting. So um, the stay-at-home order is lifted in Boulder County, um, it lifted Friday night, wow. Friday the eighth, or fr- was Friday the eighth? I think so. Um, so now we're we're just starting to move into a little bit more of a normal um, normal looking day uh, days ahead. So um, we're still being pretty cautious and trying to not be in large groups, but yeah. Um, gosh, just being, you know, I've now gone on a couple of runs with like one or two training partners, um, at a time and it's magical. Yeah. It feels so good. I recently opened up to running with a couple friends here and there and like very small, like two people max. And it feels, it's just, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, f- I didn't forget, but I did forget. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you get home and you're like, oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. Do you find that it feels easier? Yeah, I actually, yes, because I kind of like backed off my mileage a little bit just because I was like, my feet were kind of bothering me. And I'm like, what is the point? Like, you're not, you know, there's nothing, there's no reason to push things. And, um, I think it was Saturday. I ran eight miles with some friends and I'm like, I swear those eight miles would have felt like 15 by myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been actually, nice uh joe kind of our coach backed our easy runs off a little bit so instead of having um like an eight mile day i will do six in the morning and four in the evening Mm. or instead of like any like eight and four i've just had a little bit shorter easy runs Mm -hmm. because you know when you're out there for 45 minutes or less like that's okay yeah, you, you know, your mind doesn't wander for that long. But I feel like once you start getting up to an hour, then you realize how solitude uh, sets in. Yeah. So you've been running with your husband, though? Yes, which is, you know, pretty OK. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I'm thankful that he um, is willing to run with me some days. But sometimes I think like it's just different than running with a peer because uh, he can't feel the difference between like a 704 uh, yeah. and a 650. Yeah. And I can. And it's just like those little subtle differences, I start to feel like, oh man, like I'm kind of feeling this. I know it needs to be easy. And then I just get in my own head of like, okay, do I say we should slow down? Do I even go there or do I just like accept that someone's with me? You know, it's like this whole thing that happens. But, you know, when I, if I'm with a girlfriend, we're just chatting and we can feel the difference. And if we start going a little too quick, it's like somebody will always say like, oh, my gosh, 
I, we got to back off. I'm feeling tired. And it's like a total no judgment zone. So I love that. Yeah. So you guys are going to be at the track tomorrow. Do you know what your workout is? Um, I think we're doing, uh, we are all super individual. Um, uh-huh. but we have, um, mile reps and two hundreds. Okay. And, um, so the amount of each that you have varies person to person. So I have three miles and eight two hundreds and I am so excited. I haven't run fast on a track. I, I think our, our miles are comfortable, but I haven't run fast on a track in like three months. Mm. Um, I mean, all the tracks here have been closed, so we haven't been on them. Yeah. So I'm really pumped. What do you think you'll hit your miles in? Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's an assignment yet, but I would guess that they're just kind of like tempo. Okay. Like working into it. So maybe like, I don't know, 550, 5 somewhere between 5:40 and 6 minutes. Okay. Um just to warm up and then I think our twos are I would guess they're in 30 or faster would be my guess. Okay. Um we I do want to get into your history a little bit, but I'm just curious right now what's going on with your mindset with everything just being on hold and not really knowing when you're going to race again. Yeah, uh, honestly, it's been a little bit of a blessing in disguise because um I have been cranking really hard for the last few years, especially um, I almost had an extra season having the Commonwealth year in 2018. Mm. Um, So uh, we had like our championship was in April. So it's almost like I had three seasons that year of having like indoor, then Commonwealth and then an outdoor season. Um, So I kind of have, yeah, I've been cranking pretty hard for quite a few years and I hadn't really taken an indoor season off or anything until this year, we decided that like I was going to just focus instead on getting my body really strong and not race this indoor season. And I was comfortable with that decision. It was awesome to see my training partners run so well. And I was thinking, you know, like I'll be there, I'll be at that level soon and you know, whatever. But this time has really, taught me and I think the rest of us that we can find relaxation and peace in our training even in a normal year I think like Mm. for me when I have so many races on the schedule like I tend to get super intense Mm. and um this time has shown me like I've gotten really fit in the last couple of months doing nothing that crazy, backing my easy runs off when I need to, you know, if I want to take a, if I want to run eight minute pace on a double instead of seven fifteen. but you know what, who cares? That's all right. And like, I'm probably going to feel better the next day, but I tend to get like pretty, um, sort of like outcome oriented, um, when I start thinking about races being on the schedule. And this is really just, given me sort of like an exhalation of Mm. all of the intensity that now I'm just not sure that I need to have all the time. Like, of course, when we're coming up to a championship, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna want to be, you know, not drinking wine and like making sure that I am, you know, doing everything to the, to the best utmost standard that I hold myself. But like, I can also be, 
a little bit more human um, during a normal Hmm. year. So uh, yeah, I guess my mindset has just been like, I'm, I'm getting everything done. I've still, um, I'm really uh, big on routine. I do everything sort of at the same time every single day. Uh, And that's really helped me. And I've just been kind of like Zen with it of like, I don't know when we're going to race. All I can do is prepare my body in the right way and relax my mind so that like when it, when races will happen that like I won't have wasted all my mental energy stressing about things outside my control. That's so good that you have that like long-term takeaway from all this. Yeah. I mean, I, thanks. Um, <laughs> I mean, it sounds so I, refreshing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I just, it's hard, right? It's, it's hard when, um, things are so outside of our control, but I, I'm super lucky in that I've worked with, um, a sports psychologist and life psychologist, um, since 2015. And as athletes, we just, we really do have the skills Mm -hmm. to handle adversity and, uh, the whole world is in an adverse position. And, um, you know, I just think that like, we're pretty trained, especially as distance runners, we're pretty trained to handle something like this. Um, and I feel lucky that I have all those lessons under my belt because it's, it's hard to see people who are, who are struggling to find perspective and who are struggling to stay present. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, even, um, even talking it through with my parents, it's like their perspective is, is really different and it's hard to see them uh, them struggling. And I'm just trying to be a positive example of like, you know, acceptance and doing what I can in my day to day to make myself, you know, try to be sane and, um, and bring people in that boat with me. So yeah, I don't know. I'm trying. We're all doing our best. I still have bad days. Yeah, I'll do. But yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so crazy how one day, I was just talking to someone else about this on one of the other podcasts they host. It's like, I was, I forget what day it was. Oh, it was Monday. It was the day I wore pants for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like dancing in the kitchen. Like nothing was bringing me down. Like I was, you could say anything to me and I was going to dance and be happy. And, (laughs) you know, kids could be peeing on the floor and I'd just be the happiest person. And then the next day wasn't so high. And I'm like, so crazy how our Mm -hmm. hormones and just whatever it is, just our moods change. And, um, I was really grumpy this morning and I put on, um, I put on, uh, Whitney Houston, step-by-step from the preacher's wife soundtrack. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. It like (laughs) turned it all around. I mean, I danced to that song with my kids for like five, five times in a row straight. And I was like, okay, the day has been turned. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. You got to flip it. You got to flip it. Um, Question though, what, when you started working with the sports psychologist in 2015, what was the decision there? I mean, was it just time? Um, Yeah, it was time. You know, I, like, I was working through a lot of stuff um, just in my personal life with deciding to um, run for Jamaica and sort of the cascading effects on the rest of my life and, and how that affected relationships in my life. Um, so that was a big piece of it. And I, I found that like, you know, I think that I like, 
I could use another ear here. And I also felt myself um, kind of stagnating a bit on the track. Like I had, I had run faster and faster and faster every year of my career. Um, but I, you know, I was just like starting to get a little bit like too anxious for my taste (laughs) when I was, um, lining up for races and just like worrying so much about the outcome. And actually Nick Simmons, um, is a really dear friend of, uh, my husband and I, and, um, he, is such an advocate for, um, seeking help. Uh, he's had the same sports psychologist, Dr. Jeff, I think is his name, uh, for his entire career. And he really, um, talked to me about it of like, I think this is something that could benefit you. Uh, so yeah, I, I went for it and I was really lucky to right off the bat, find a therapist that works with me. Cause I know that this can be uh, kind of a struggle to find mm. the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I work with a woman named uh, Dr. Melissa Todd, and she lives in Eugene, Oregon. And we've still been able to maintain um, sort of like a video meeting every other week now for years since 2015. So, wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. And, and um, she's been such an integral part of. I think my rising to sort of the next level in sport and I just, I love it. You know, like sometimes I would say most of the year, like we talk about sport for 15 of the 45 minutes (laughs) that I talk to her, but um, yeah, it's just so nice. Like I think having a person that is for you specifically, um, I think, you know, if anybody has the access to that sort of, um, help is awesome. Like I recommend it to anyone. Yeah, that's so great. Okay. Well, you mentioned 2015 and deciding to run for Jamaica. Um, I would love to hear about that time of your life when you met your biological father and why you decided to run for Jamaica. I just want to share with everybody all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting, especially like as I've gotten older and have reflected on that time more, like how truly important, um, those years were, I met him in 20, the summer of 2014. Um, and I totally redefined my sense of self, um, through this discovery of my family and my family history and my heritage. And, um, I totally grew up with a lot of questions, um, just about like who I was and where I came from. Um, but I didn't have a lot of answers. Like I was a pretty introverted child. I'm still pretty introvert. Mm. I'm very social, but like Mm -hmm. I, Um, I really recharge alone. Um, and I was an only child until my, um, my parents, my American mom and dad, my mom is my biological mom and my dad is my adopted dad. They got married when I was four. Okay. Um, and then they had my brother when I was seven. So I was very used to sort of like 
you know, having a big imagination and uh, having a lot of alone time. And I just never felt confident and comfortable enough to ask the questions that I needed to ask Mm. to sort of reassure myself. And I created this narrative in my mind that was just like, so not the truth of um, what happened between my, my mom and my biological father. So flash forward to I'm, um, I'm 23 in 2013. I, um, I asked my mom about it and I like, I can't believe that like I had just gone so many years without asking any questions. Um, So long. It's so long. The last time that I asked any, I, I asked questions when I was 11. Wow. Um, and cause it was around that time, I think I was maybe 10 when my parents asked if I wanted to change my last name to Pratt, um, because I was Aisha Grant and my mom, dad, and brother were Molly, Jerome, and Spencer Pratt. And yeah. And it was like, when you're a kid, you just want to fit in, right? Like, at least I did. Like, I did not want to stand out. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be like everybody else. Um, I grew up in a, like, in a small community, in a white family, and like, very much stood out. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be the same. And I, I, really wanted to change my last name to match my family. And, um, it was just, it was asked of me, like, is this the decision that you want to make? My parents like waited and waited and waited until they thought that I could like truly make a decision of changing my last name. So, um, that came when I was 10 or 11. Um, and that was the last conversation that, that I had had with my family about it. So, um, I flash forward to being 23 and asking my mom and, and telling her sort of the narrative that I had in my head of like, you know, what went down. And, and she was like, well, no, that's not even close. Like we're, you know, it was just uh, my, my mom um, and my biological father were together and um, she worked for a record company based in London. He was a reggae artist and um, they were sort of going back and forth from London to uh, Jamaica. And at the very last minute, my mom had an American doctor, um, who had said, you know, do a dry run and getting to the hospital. My family lives, um, out just into the country in St. Catherine in a place called bog walk. And it takes a while to get to the hospital. So he's like, you know, just do a dry run. And she just sort of had a realization that, you know what, I, I actually want to fly back to the States, Mm. um, and have her born there. So she was far enough along in her pregnancy that she had to get permission to fly, flies back to Wisconsin. And it was just like, you know, a, like a total sad, uh, love story that never happened of like, she decides she wants to stay in the States and raise me in the U.S. and give me those opportunities. And um, my biological father couldn't get a visa uh, to come work in the States. Mm. So they eventually, you know, go their separate ways. And um, that, like, there wasn't really any beef. And, like, in my mind, I, like, had this beef that I, like, set up that just wasn't true. So to be able to at, um, you know, my, my mom connected with him 
when I was 23 and they helped set up so I could meet him when I was 24 and sort of just like let all this hot air out of a balloon Mm. that like I had created myself um, just because I was was too sheepish to ask. Um, It's just kind of crazy to me, like because I've grown so much into myself in the last seven, eight years or yes, six or seven years, probably. Um, I'm, I'm really like, wow, like young Aisha, why did you live like with such peril in your mind, uh, for so long? Um, because I could have this whole time really known who I was and known my family. And, um, it, it ended up just being such a beautiful meeting, you know, people, in adoptive situations or, um, who are meeting their parent for the first time, biological parent, it, it can be a bad story. And mine just was so wonderful. Mm. And, um, it, it really completed the picture of who I was. And I felt so immediately connected with him. And then, um, I, it opened this door to the fact that I have so many half siblings. I was wondering um, about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm one of 11, I think. Wow. Or one of 10. And then my, my American brothers makes 11. Um, so then, then all over the world, I have a, a sibling essentially. And, and so then all those relationships got opened up and, um, it has just made my life so much fuller and uh, deeper and realer, and I love it. And I, I think it's been like a testament to the strength of my sort of American family unit that we have sort of fused this together and that it's been for, you know, the most part as much as one could possibly um, expect just like all so positive to the point where, which I'm, I am like, wow, you guys are like way kinder and better than I am. But my, (laughs) uh, American parents and my, uh, Jamaican dad stayed in the same Airbnb for the Olympics in Rio. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just been like, um, a true realization. And I, I just felt so immediately connected with my Jamaican family. And it had always been like, um, a possibility. Like I, I'd always known that I could run for Jamaica. Um, but it wasn't something that like truly resonated with me until I met my family and like that identity just like, just became more whole and more full. Um, so it was a pretty easy decision. And, um, yeah, so I, I switched my, um, allegiance, they call the transfer of allegiance in world athletics in 2015. Um, and that was my first national team for Jamaica. And I would make that decision every time when faced with, (laughs) when faced with the question. So it's, it's awesome. It's been like, such a transformative time in my life. Yeah. I was going to say, do you, what does that look like going forward? Like, do you always have the option? Do you have to like, when you say you want your allegiance to be at Jamaica, is that how long does that last? 
Um, it's indefinite. I, I'm a dual citizen, so I, um, could choose, but, uh, and I guess, like, I guess that the door would be open if I would want to change back to the U S like, I guess legally I could, I think I would have to sit out a year or something like that, but I'm really just not interested in doing that. Um, I love being part of team Jamaica and, it's there are their own challenges you know it's a small country and we don't have the resources that the USOPC has and USATF like it's it's a very much more um scaled down version um you know less funding less Mm -hmm. support but the fullness that I get when I put the Jamaica jersey on just like squashes any um any other desires that I might think about um and it's awesome and and I feel at this point so I've I've been on um three world championship teams a world indoor team a commonwealth team and an olympic team that like I now am a true veteran on team Jamaica and um that feels good. And I love, I love being part of the team. Like our, our delegation for Rio was 67 athletes compared to the U S was like eight or 900. Wow. And yeah. So like, I know everyone Uh (laughs) and I love it. And, and everybody's like a more of a family, um, atmosphere than, than other larger delegations. So, so I'm sticking with it. That's so cool. Does it feel what does it feel like, though, living here when, you know, you know everybody and probably most of them live in Jamaica? Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. A lot of Jamaican athletes actually train in the U.S. or in the U.K. Okay. Um, because a lot of athletes had gone through the NCAA system um, or what have you. Um, or, and there's just like a lot of, a lot of the top sprint groups in the world are international and they're in. Florida, in Miami, or in um, Fort Lauderdale, or in LA, or in Texas. Uh, So there's a lot of Jamaicans in the US. Um, But I'd say the main difference is um, in sort of the fanfare leading into um, an Olympic Games. It's, Mm. it would be different if I lived in Jamaica. there would be a lot more hype. Um, but (laughs) I'm okay. Not, I, you know, I'm okay with that. And, and there are times where it's, um, where I wish things were a little bit different. Like we're trying so hard to encourage, I'm trying so hard and Natoya Gould and Kamoy Campbell are trying so hard to encourage the next generation of middle distance runners in Jamaica. But at this moment in time we can't create a field for me to race at the national championships unless I want to run the 800 Mm. um but there aren't any athletes that will run at the national level above 800 meters um why is that it's just cultural yeah um I think I mean sprints you think of Jamaican track and field and it's Mm -hmm. it's sprint dominated Mm-hmm. Um, with, you know, Bolt being one of the biggest sports celebrities of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 
it's also, you know, it's a small island and it's, it's not like having a bunch of dirt roads north of Boulder that you can just hop mm-hmm. on and, and, uh, go for a 15 mile run and never repeat your steps. Um, so it's, it's changing, I think. Um, and our team is filling out a little bit more, especially in sprint and uh, jumps and throws. Um, and we're getting some more middle distance runners. Um, but it's, it's just going to take time. Um, so there is, you know, I do wish that I had the opportunity to race to become national champion. Mm-hmm. And, um, at this point I qualify for teams based on, um, hitting standards or, uh, being, you know, ranked the appropriate ranking in the world and showing fitness instead of being able to like have a, like go to the trials and race and stand on a podium. Um, those are, are moments that I, um, don't get yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but then I get the great, uh, benefit of prepare of not having to prepare, uh, to go through, a, a trial system that's really grueling emotionally and physically. So there's pros and cons for sure. Um, but yeah. So More pros. yeah, for sure. It's so cool. Uh, do you look like your dad? Yes. Oh my gosh. Really? It's crazy. Yeah. Big time. And some of my siblings, like it's, it's weird. Um, one <laughs> Especially of my, since yeah. you didn't know them until like you didn't, yeah. you'd never really seen them before or had you seen pictures no. of your dad? I, the, the last time I'd seen a picture of him was when I was really young. Okay. Um, so no, it, and it was so bizarre. I mean, like, yeah, just like imagine, uh, not, I I was always fascinated by families that really looked alike because Mm -hmm. that was just not my experience. Yeah. And especially twins. Like I, and like, even still to this day, if I see twins, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I just can't. (laughs) Because I, I grew up without that experience of, like, having someone that looked like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when – so Will, my husband, and I traveled to Berlin in twenty four in the summer of 2014 where my dad lives. And um, we met him at an Ethiopian restaurant. And I was just so nervous um, and just, like, protecting myself of, like, this could go horribly badly. But – you know, I'm just going to be neutral and accept anything. And, um, one of my, like, this is before Tinder or any of such <laughs> things. So like, I'd never had the experience of like walking into a place. I've never been on like a blind date or something. Like I'd never like you're, you're going somewhere. Like, I hope I can pick out the person that I'm supposed to be meeting mm-hmm. with. Like, I hope I don't look like an idiot. And I'm like staring <laughs> around looking for the, per- you know, looking for my biological father. And, we like turn the corner and he's sitting outside like on the front patio of this restaurant. And it just like took, it was like the world became a vacuum. Like it was like, there was no air because it was like carbon copy of me. Wow. Like down to like the super long limbs and really long thin fingers and just like, like the, elbows and like face and like almost like the way that he moved was just like so bizarre to me um and like really stunned me in a way that's like I just wish that I had the vocabulary to describe like I'm just it was just like chilling almost to see 
yourself in another human that you've never met before. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was great. And I have a sister, I haven't met all my siblings yet. I still have one, two, three, four to meet. Um, and one of my sisters lives in, uh, just outside of Philly and, um, she has twin boys and her husband's in the military. And I just like, haven't like been there yet. (laughs) And every one of my siblings is always like, Oh, wow. You look like Hody. You're Hody's twin. Your her name is Hadiva. And apparently we are like carbon copies. So I'm really, um, I'm really excited to meet her. I feel like if you ever have kids, you're destined to have twins now. (laughs) I totally like, I, I think about that. Will and I think about that because, you know, having kids as an athlete is really something. Yeah. There's so many, (laughs) so many factors. so many factors like will this even work who knows we'll try and when who knows we'll try um but (laughs) we go back and forth of like I think it would be so great like we just we only want two kids let's just knock it out Uh two two at once but then people that have twins are like let me tell you you don't want it it's it's twice uh twice the work half the fun I'm like I don't know seems fun but (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, the, f- the, fir- but, but the first cool. um, the first two years is probably really hard with twins, but then it probably kind of levels out. But I don't speak from experience. I don't have twins. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just I'm so fascinated by that. And I'm curious. I, I'm kind of like fascinated by adoption and that whole uh, situation in general. But did you ever fear that it would like hurt your adopted dad like the dad you grew up with feelings or anything oh totally yeah Yeah, totally that was a big um that was a big fear of mine and probably part of the reason why I never wanted to talk about it because like I just had I had just like such a great childhood and was so loved and like nothing was missing necessarily from my life like and I never wanted it to feel like that um and through this whole process like I just I wanted him to make sure that he knew how much I appreciated him Mm -hmm. and so I just kept saying like okay like I love you you're you will always be my dad I love you you'll always be my dad and so I, like, I never grew up calling him my stepdad, which is technically what he is, but like, he's just my dad. Yeah. And, um, and now, you know, if I am asked things in an interview, it's like, oh, my American dad or my Jamaican dad. And I, I've just like really tried to connect with that and, and, um, explain, or at least try to show how I feel. And of course, I mean, of course, like I, I also know that the flip side is that I can only be myself and act um, and speak with intention. And then I cannot also control how everyone feels. And that is something that was really difficult to get through of how do I navigate this? And, and this was, you know, part of everything that I worked through with, uh, Melissa, my, my therapist is that like, you know, say what I mean, speak how I feel like 
capped with love and, and that's what I can do. Um, and that's the end of what I can control. Um, but I mean, I think, I think that it went well, like I, I, I can't speak for how he feels, but I, I think that he still feels that I, he's still my dad. (laughs) Yeah. Hey friends, a quick break to let you know that I have a Patreon page and that is one way you can support this podcast. So over on Patreon, I provide two extra episodes a month, one with Lauren Flores, one with my husband, Glenn. They are very casual conversations and I'm looking into bringing back what I used to do. I would have extended conversation with some of my guests on the podcast. So for people who support the $5 level or more, I am looking to bring back those conversations. I did not go for it with this interview with Aisha, but I'm going to start doing it. And it won't be all of the guests I talk to, but it'll be at least one a month, an extended conversation over on Patreon. So one more thing about Patreon. When I hit 400 patrons over there, so when there are 400 people supporting this podcast on Patreon, I will bring back another six-week bonus series like I did with the Fun Friday episodes recently. I loved so much bringing those two episodes a week, but unfortunately, I just can't do it every single week, and it takes a lot of extra work. So if I can get to that number on Patreon, I'll be able to spend more time on the show and provide those extra episodes for that extra series. Uh, One of the series I'm looking to doing is a coach series and a race director series. And little known fact, if you're in my Facebook group, you already know this, but I've got a race director lined up that I am so excited about. He is someone that you probably would never expect to hear on a podcast, and I cannot wait to interview him. Head over to my Facebook page to find out who I'm talking about. Uh, The link to my Facebook group is in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. If you just search groups on Facebook, though, you can find it. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. All right. And to get to that 400, to get to 400 patrons, we need 142 more people to support over there. I got to dream big. Okay. I'm doing it. So you can go to patreon.com slash lindsayhine to support the show and help bring back some bonus series. I think that's all I have here. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Aisha Pratt-Lear. So I do want to move a little bit to running with Joe Bosshart's group and running for Under Armour and kind of just what your training situation looks like why you chose to leave the Oregon Track Club to to run with them and um yeah just a little bit of history with that yeah um so back in 2016 um I at the Olympics had sort of a cathartic moment um and when I came out of college I really thought that like I would run for four years and then move on with my life. Um, but in Rio, just being at the games and not having like the day that I wanted to have necessarily, um, and looking around at like the greatness that is everywhere when you're at an Olympic games, I just, 
decided that I did want to do this for a longer time. And if I was going to do it, that I wanted to be excellent. And I was on a run with, uh, with my husband in Rio. And, you know, I just always thought that I would be in Eugene and, um, live out my career there. And it would be maybe kind of short and I wouldn't make any changes and it would be great. Cause like, it was a great setup. Um, but I just, I just wanted something different and I felt like I needed to shake things up myself. I needed to be challenged in new ways. And in my mind, the best way to get better at something is to just throw yourself in with people who challenge you. And at the time I was only steepler uh, at OTC. We didn't have a lot of women. So I trained on my own a lot. And what I wanted to do is find the best people in the world at what I did, which was steeplechase and, uh, train with them and like get my ass kicked and Mm -hmm. figure out what it took to actually get to the level of, uh, success that I wanted so badly to be at. Um, so we ended up, um, I, I did an exercise where I went through and wrote down what I wanted my life to look like in four years, five years. And then um, I wrote down a list of like what I think it's going to take to get there. And then I'm a list maker. You're going to hear this because now I'm on the third list of, <laughs> <laughs> of who the best women in the world in the steeplechase are. And and Will and I had a conversation that like, look, this is a priority to both of us. I, I get, I'm just, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of my potential. And like, I just want to like, we'll go anywhere in the world. Mm. Um, so we just made a list and, um, Emma sort of intercepted, um, a phone call that I was making and, um, we had a discussion that like, Hey, uh, we are both looking for something new what if we do this together? And, um, my, I know this sounds crazy, but, uh, Joe's going to coach me, but like, we're really confident in this. Would you consider having a conversation with Joe? I said, yes. Okay. Seems a little strange, but like, all right. Um, and I called Joe and it was just one, like, I'm pretty good with my gut. Like I, I just had a gut feeling from this conversation that this was the right move. Joe was so professional, so confident, came to the phone call with examples of, you know, all of my races that he's watched and followed my career and down to the 1500 times that I'd been running and, you know, where I would break down physically in a race of like, okay, well, you know, I see that you're making it to 2k and then kind of falling apart. So Mm. I think we need to target X, Y, and Z. And I really think that our, the way that we train and the way that I will train you can sort of target these weaknesses and we can, you know, we can work through this. And like, if you, if you are interested, then like, let's try it out. Um, so visited Boulder. This, this all happened. Um, Will and I got married in October of 2016 and this is all going down in October. Um, we had put all of our 
so we got married, flew to Eugene, <laughs> moved out of our house, put everything in a storage unit. And we're like, well, all right, I guess, you know, we have a couple months to figure this out. And we went to um, his parents' place in LA and just kind of camped out there for a couple of months until we figured it out um, of what it was going to look like and had a couple of options. And uh, Boulder was just gut feeling the best option. And um, it was just the, the confidence and professionalism and uh, just like sort of desire to do something great that was just like oozing out of both Joe and Emma um, that really meant a lot to me. And um, I came out and visited them by myself first. And one conversation that I'd had in the car with them on the way to dinner, uh, we were talking about books. And Emma brought up this book, uh, Mindset by Carol Dweck. And she had just read it and said, this is one, you know, one of my favorite books I've ever read. Have you ever read this book? And I was like, and she's like, this is just everything that I believe. And I was, it was just like, oh man, like, yes, that is pretty much like where, how I work and what I work from. And like, where I've been like talking with my um, sports psychologist in becoming stronger mentally is like through this, uh, like these theories. And it was just like such a strange little moment of like, I really think that this is the right, this is the right setup for me. Um, And it was awesome. Moved. We, Will came and visited like Boulder. Um, and we moved in January and it was just like better than I could have ever expected. Like I, I knew Emma a little bit, like we'd just from like being on the circuit and I paced her a couple times in 2014, I believe, um, 2014 or 2015. I, I like paced a bunch of diamond leagues one year cause I like wasn't quite fast enough to race in them, <laughs> <laughs> but I could, but I could pace and Emma was going after the American records. So, um, I got to know her a little bit then, um, but I didn't really know her, know her and move here. And it was kind of like, holy shit, all of a sudden we are so close. Mm. We get along so well. It's bizarre. Like I did not like I've had so many training partners. Some of them are still, you know, lifelong friends. Um, but it was just like in a wild clicking of, um, two people who really think the same (laughs) and it's, it's been awesome. And then, you know, we've sort of been able to build this group. Um, and one of the like sort of pillars of what makes our group different and special and the beliefs that we have is that, um, we believe that more than one person can succeed at a time Mm, and that, someone's like her success doesn't take away from mine and mine doesn't take away from hers. And so it's just been awesome. Like it's been awesome to sort of build this, uh, together and, um, and like I love and adore Emma and, and I, I also, you know, have we've watched Joe I sometimes feel like we just kick Joe to the curb and we're like we got this Um, (laughs) and like we team up against him and whatever but like 
I have also seen Joe sort of grow as a coach and as a person. And like, I'm just so proud of him and what, uh, you know, how far we've all come in the last few years and like how he's evolved as a person and coach is really special to see. So, um, yeah, I'm like big hype lady for our group. I could like have a megaphone and start shouting <laughs> stuff and flat irons, but yeah, yeah, it's awesome. That's so cool. And it's so cool that you've experienced, like you were kind of in from the start. So you've got to see him, like you said, evolve and grow. And, and it's going to be so cool to see what the group looks like in three years, five years time. You guys all seem so close and so fun too. Oh my gosh. We have so much fun. Like it's really cute. Um, I don't know. We uh, had sort of our first like workout together uh-huh. on Tuesday and Danny, uh, Danny Jones is our newest member. And she said, yeah, she said like, I just keep telling myself that it shouldn't be this fun. (laughs) And, (laughs) and it's just so cute, but it's, it's true. It's like, we uh, like the people in this group are so special individually and together we just get along so well and have so much fun. And like, yeah, we work really freaking hard. Um, but it's, it's like a joy to be around all the women. So I'm really lucky. That's so cool. Do you guys live like, do you and Emma live super close to each other? We don't. Well, I mean, Boulder's small. So Emma and I live maybe like a mile and a half away. Um, but we're kind of like clustered. So, Mm. uh, I live in North Boulder and Danny's moving up to North Boulder and then, um, Corey, Dom, Trip, Emma, all live in central Boulder, kind of like close to our gym. And then, um, two of the women live out in Louisville and then three of the guys live in like gun barrel and Iwat. So we're all kind of like in little clusters, but I mean, nobody lives further than 15 minutes away from the other person. So not that bad. I don't think I realized how small Boulder was, I guess I've, I've actually, yeah. you know what? It's really sad. I had So in 2019, I made the goal to do more in-person interviews in 2020. LOL. (laughs) Oh, LOL. Yeah. (laughs) And so one of my, one of my things I was going to do, well, I actually had this like little retreat thing I was going to go to in Boulder in June and I was planning to fly out like three days before the retreat so that I could just like knock out a ton of in-person interviews. And that was like my big, like oh, this is going to be my big thing for the summer that I'm going to go do. So I would have yeah. been experiencing that. Um, I would have been, because I've been to Denver, but I've never been to Boulder. So um, I'm super sad. Well, you guys come on out. I mean, yeah. Well, like, when when uh, I'm allowed to travel again. Yeah. <laughs> come on out. 2020 calendar, worst investment of the year. Uh, so you'll just have to come out sometime. It's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it's just, isn't it interesting when you make a goal like that? And then it's like the world is just like, actually, that's not going to be what's going to happen for your life. And that's okay. Um, yeah. You just have to readjust your, your thinking. But yeah, when, when the world cut gets back to a little bit uh, more of a norm, I'm definitely going to make a interview stop in Boulder because I mean, what I could interview there could be there's like 50 million great interviews in Boulder <laughs> it yeah it's it's actually crazy it's like nonstop. <laughs> they're not I mean nonstop. men and women like you could even go triathletes cyclists like anything the, any endurance athlete we got them 
Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Um, well, tell me about Under Armour because Will is also sponsored by them. And it's not a super common b- brand to see track athletes and distance athletes sponsored by. Yes. Um, I signed with UA in March of 2017. Um, and at the time, I think we had four track athletes, three track athletes and one, um, and one person on the roads. And now we have a ton. Um, I don't know how many, maybe like 30. Um, yeah, something like that. Uh, but yeah, UA has entered the run space and it's awesome. Um, I'm really lucky to be part of the team. It's led by unprecedented two women nice. um, are in charge of run sports marketing um, for UA. So it's really refreshing. Um, and it's, it's a really like inclusive group, like um, lots of different disciplines, people from all over. Um, and it's been, it's been really special to see this grow as well. And um, when I first signed our footwear options were really limited. Mm. Um, and they've developed a ton of footwear, a ton, like they've, they've created a new category for the brand. Um, and yeah, I mean, still growing a ton and it's been fun. Like it's, it's been, um, a more sort of like, trying to think of a word that describes it um it's a relationship that's almost closer Mm, mm -hmm. um that makes sense like when you're part of a smaller um network then like I get checked on of like how are you doing human you know (laughs) instead of like being a cog in the machine and uh it's great it's really great they they care about us um they make us feel like family and it's awesome. And we, Will and I being on the same team again, um, we were both sponsored by Nike for a few years and, uh, and then now both being Under Armour, it's so awesome. Um, to just sort of have a family brand. Yeah. 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 It's cool. I mean, it's, it's always like a funny, um, situation when packages get shipped from UA to our house of like, uh-huh. is it yours or is it mine? Is it yours or is it mine? Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's great. I'm, I think that, um, the person who shares a vestibule with us, like our condo mate, like maybe doesn't like it as much because there are <laughs> so many shoes, so many shoes, like, but you know, we do our best. What, what can you do? Oh, that's so great. And I, yeah, I interrupted you a little bit, but I was thinking, oh my gosh, that's gotta be such a, such a crazy difference from Nike. Do you have like okay feelings with Nike and all that? And do you, like just from yeah. your departure? Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially with the OTC, like everybody is like totally cool, copacetic. Whenever I see Mark Rowland, it's like, you know, a big hug and a, how are mm-hmm, you? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I miss, I miss some of the, some of the guys and they're hilarious. And I still make sure that, uh, I am FaceTiming with Hassan Mead and, uh, and all that. It's just, it's just too good. You know, I can't miss too much with those guys, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. I, uh, I really, I didn't have any personal issues with, 
um, with Nike at the time, like everything, everything was fine. They Mm -hmm. just, um, they had a vision for me and my career and it didn't like totally match up with what I wanted to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I also don't necessarily blame them like this lady who is PRing every year and is in a very comfortable group setting that we sponsor, like wants to leave and go be coached by someone who's never coached before. Yeah. Like on paper, <laughs> you're like, ah, really? okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, now being with Under Armour, it's like, they were probably like, oh shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, everything is, everything's good. That's so, that's so good. And it's, it seems just like such a mature decision that you just like, even though things weren't rocky there and you were performing well, that you chose like, what's going to be a happier way to live. And it just seems like you did the right thing and you just knew. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, people thought I was crazy for sure. Um, (laughs) but I like our quality of life is a lot higher. Um, we're not gone as much mm-hmm. because we live at altitude. Mm-hmm. Um, it was hard to make friends in Eugene when you're gone all mm-hmm. the time. Oh, I bet. And, you know, it's like, what can I really offer a friend? Like I'm here maybe five months of the year, at, like on a good year. And uh, at the time, like there weren't a lot of young professionals there. So it was, it was tough. It was a, it was a tough um, sort of college town to crack into. Um, and Boulder has just been like a little bit more of a, I don't know, maybe like more of an adult move for us. Um, we have a couple friends that aren't runners and that was like probably my proudest accomplishment <laughs> of the last, um, few years. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been a really good move for both of us. Oh, that's great. That's so funny too. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on that we kind of talked about in our email before we wrap up with Inda podcast is um, you mentioned how much your group values strength and health in regard to body composition and like the longevity of your careers and your bodies. And I would just love to hear how you guys prioritize that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so cool uh, to be in a group of like power ladies um, and really it does come from, from Joe, he values, um, like he wants us to be happy, um, because a happy athlete is a fast athlete, mm-hmm. but he wants to see like his vision for us. And I'm like totally speaking for him, but I think he would say this is right. Like his vision for us is to be like happy, strong, like sensible humans that can do this for a long time Mm. and that we're not just like burning the candle all the way down and like being risky in training or whatever. Um, He wants to see us like happy and successful for a long time. And so that just like permeates with our whole, everything that we do. And um, strength has been huge. Um, We lift, heavy and often and we're in the gym three days a week um and it makes I mean particularly for a woman's body like we are it just like galvanizes us to like handle the training and be healthier for for longer and 
this year, uh, Maddie Alm is in our group and she had been being, she was coached remotely by Joe because she was finishing her dietetics degree. Okay. And she moved back to Boulder, which she graduated last May and moved back to Boulder and has been like a huge resource for us. Um, Joe is really adamant about like when it comes to our bodies and our body comp and weight and whatever, like seek a professional that like he can't just come up with a random number and be like, this is what you should weigh. Um, (laughs) which I think is like a really like seems like a total obvious, but like in our sport is not an obvious. Um, and I think it's a really mature move to like say to bring in a professional and to encourage all of us to, um, to work with specifically a dietitian, Mm -hmm. um, because registered dietitians have like a, a ton of training and requirements and coursework and, uh, they have to take a test and pass and, uh, nutritionist, um, there are super good nutritionists in the world, but there aren't as many requirements. Mm -hmm. So, um, we've, I've been working with Maddie. I think most people at this point have seen her and I had just been like, I didn't, I don't really know what I should be doing with my body. And like, my biggest question was like, I, you know, I'd never, I'd never known what, like what a race weight should be versus a training weight and a whatever. Like I just was myself and this is my body and whatever. And what Maddie has helped show me is that like lighter is is light lighter being better is just like a fallacy mm. and um like a proper healthy body composition and being stronger is actually better so with Maddie's help I've been able to put on like almost five percent more uh mass and mm. like it's mostly muscle but also some fat And within the last year, I have, like, I haven't gotten sick. Uh, I haven't had any, like, new injury stuff pop up. In fact, like, I've had a nagging hamstring for the last almost two years, which has totally healed. And that, like, like, stronger is better. And like, it's been totally like a mind bender of like, oh, wow, like, I actually feel better. Like, I'm less grumpy. I am not getting respiratory infections, like everything, like everything feels better with me in my body. Um, And I think it's great. And that's like kind of how everyone on our team operates. And I think that that's really, uh, unique for that to be sort of like our party line that like stronger is better. Um, I love and that. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like I, I love being part of a, of a team of women who like, you know, whoever can deadlift the most is like <laughs> celebrated, you know, like it's, it's really cool. Yeah. That's, that's so great. And I know that just talking about weight in general is pretty much like, it's a pretty trigger type thing to even talk about with, with distance runners and women. It can, it can be hard. Um, 
I'm curious though, has, have you, this is kind of a personal question, I guess, but have you or anybody else on the team, like, do you guys notice, um, that positively affecting your menstrual cycle? Um, I, yes and no. Like we, I think I'm trying to like think of all the women on our team and like way, I think all of us are pretty regular. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So like that's the hasn't even before mm, I okay. um like put on masks, like that wasn't really a thing for me. I like like I'm like have like a cockroach of a menstrual cycle. Like <laughs> I have an IUD, like the world could end and like every month it shows. Up. So um <laughs> uh yeah. So um Well that's, that's a good not, thing. No, yeah, no real changes for us in that, but um yeah, we're all super healthy. Okay. Yeah. I'm always just curious because I know that when, when the body composition and the, the weight gets down too low, a lot of times women lose their periods for years on end. So, um, that's a really positive thing to hear. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't have to be that way. That doesn't mean that you're fast. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be that way. Thank you. Yes. That's, yeah. that's so true. Um, well, we didn't really get into you kind of like moving to all in with a 15 or anything like that, but I'm excited to see, see how that goes for you. Are you still, is that kind of still the plan? Yep. Still the plan. It's super fun. I'm doing it. That's awesome. That's so exciting. Um, okay. Are you ready for into podcast questions? Ready. Okay. What is one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do that you have not done yet? I, uh, gosh, I've been thinking about this question and I like can't come up with a really great answer. (laughs) Um, like other than, um, like winning more, like I really winning more, like, like, I don't think people realize how difficult winning is as a professional. Um, and I've only done it a few times, like maybe, I, I don't know, like I've won less than five races in, uh, eight years. So I'd like to do more of that. That's awesome. I love that. What's an accomplishment you're most proud of? I would say, um, like believing in myself. Uh (laughs) I know that sounds really, uh, silly, but like in the last uh, 10 years, I've just like really grown, uh, into a strong lady who believes in herself. That's so, that's so great. That is a huge accomplishment. Who is, Thanks. yeah, that's, that's just, that's, that's it. That's so awesome. Um, who's someone fun, motivating or inspiring that you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Obviously Michelle Obama. Yes. I mean, no brainer. <laughs> By far the most, most requested, um, person for that question or most suggested Amazing. person. Yeah. Everybody loves Michelle. Uh, what is the best, most recent, I saw you're a book reader. What's the best, most recent book you've read? Yeah, I have during quarantine, I haven't really been reading that much, but I normally am a big book reader. And I think that now like happy, funny books are Mm -hmm. kind of my jam. Mm -hmm. And I love Issa Rae. She has a show on HBO called Insecure. Mm -hmm. And she wrote a book quite a few years ago that is called the misadventures of awkward black girl. And it's only, it's like less, it's like 200 pages and it's like a laugh out loud situation. So I highly recommend. Okay. Is the show good too? Cause I've wanted to watch that. 
Oh my gosh. It's my favorite show. I love it. Okay. Awesome. Um, I want to try that book mindset that you said Emma mentioned as well. Oh yeah. That's a great, great book. I really recommend that too. And uh, you know what? Like if you read the first half of it, like that's you, you, you good. You're good. You got it. Okay. That's good to know. Um, yeah. okay. What is your one message to send to the world? Be in the now. Um, everything is really crazy, but you have control over like how you, uh, how you act and what you say and what you put in your body. And that's pretty much about it. Um, so yeah, just, just stay present and don't rush ahead. That's so great. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for your time today and, um, have so much fun with your team tomorrow. That's going to be a blast. Super excited. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Don't forget to check out Koala Clip. Go to koalaclip.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order. Thank you, Aisha, for coming on the show. So thankful to have had this conversation with you. And can't wait to see what's ahead for you in your career. You can find Aisha on Instagram. She's Aisha Lear over there. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine 626 You can find me on Twitter at Lindsay Hine and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine where we have a group as well. Definitely go join that group. We have great community and conversations over there. And one last call to action. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen. It would mean the world to me. Thank you all so much for being here. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. And as always, I will see you next Friday.